Welcome to the Emotional Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Splendori, and this week my guest is Andy Whittle. I met Andy while studying at Kingston College. He's based in Belgium, and uh, I knew he would have an interesting story to tell. He's a certified coach, a trainer, and a very interesting pass on how he got to become a coach. Please subscribe and share. It's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive. If you want to know more about or for more episodes, check out andreasplendori.com. The title tune is by Nevada. Thanks, Emilia, for doing this. I just, uh, as you know, and I've been doing a few and then have quite a lot of recorded already and it's all about trying to figure out the people behind this coaching world um, to really make it a little bit more um, just just to, to, to that, let people understand that it's not just snake oil salesmen out there selling you something for for you know for for next to nothing or for nothing and uh, you know become a coach in a day or all of that stuff and the, the, the more people I'm talking to the more I'm kind of reaffirming my belief in the whole thing um, because I, I came into it very skeptical and the more I work in it the more I'm meeting people the more I'm, I'm enjoying it and obviously the likes of yourself and any of the other people I spoke to so far they've been doing it for much longer uh, that's what I want to understand you know why you guys are doing it and uh, how you do it and what's the angle and what brought you there that's that's effective it's a nice quick simple conversation to unpack, as the Americans say, to unpack the coaching world. Yeah, well, I mean, thank you for, for inviting me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to, to talk to you. And, and uh, I'm really glad that you phrased it that way because it is, I feel, I wouldn't say it was a, a big issue, but certainly not everybody is aware of what coaching is, uh, why people do it, how people make that journey towards it and my path hasn't been I don't think classic either uh, but it's been a lot of fun in the way so, so yeah. that's a good thing well I'll tell you where we start from then Andy I'm here with Andy Whittle and I think I'd like to start because we we did, we did a course together the corporate well-being course and I'm pretty sure you were the first person I was locked into a room with uh, <laughs> within the five minutes of starting the course but genuinely, I think, uh, and I'm not just saying that, I think genuinely there was a, a mutual, I don't know what it is, respect or wonder. We both went, oh, this is interesting character across the, across the ether here. He's got something to say. And, uh, and we did have a quick chat about it over a coaching session, a quick uh, uh, date coaching session. And we did find out that you've done a few things similar to what I've done. So... Let me start from that. Let me start from um, the, the, the things like you've done quite a lot in the, in the space of um, broadcasting in a way where you, where you get people together and, uh, you know, from your imagination club and, and so on. Just tell me a little bit about that particular area of, of your time. <coughs> yeah, uh, I guess ever since I left school, I... All, nearly all my jobs have been people-facing. I've been a sort of a, a front man. And 
and that's the part of all of the jobs. Not all of the jobs have been that all of the time, but that's the main part of the job that I've really enjoyed and sort of bloomed and blossomed and had a lot of fun with. People are, on the whole, fantastic, and I really enjoy it. So for many years, I was a, a trainer and a facilitator for meetings, workshops, uh, for half-day workshops, one-day workshops, eight-day workshops, you name it, and it could have been an audience of six to 600. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been out there talking to people live for, for many years now, for about 25 years, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and I think you mentioned the Imagination Club there. That was a, a sort of a secondary branch, if you like, a background branch, a hobby, if you like, that's blossomed again and bloomed into something quite important for me. Uh, it was an area, I realized that when I first got into training, my journey was quite, it was a le the learning curve, I should say, was quite steep. And I had to learn quite quickly. For example, I'd follow a course one day and I'd be giving it the next. Then I'd learn the next level course and then I'd be giving it uh, the next day as well. So my learning curve was great. So I thought, well, okay, I feel a little bit out of it because also I come from a completely different world. I didn't come from the corporate world when I went into, into training. So I didn't necessarily feel that I knew what people needed the training for to make it relevant. So I started this club to be able to have a practice ground so that I could take the pressure off myself, if you like, and other people, it wasn't just me using it, to practice workshops and actually get more out of people how they were going to use it, to have time within a workshop to be able to, to change direction, change path, to learn, learn new skills, to practice skills or the other bits that I wasn't too confident in. Um, so there's things like time management, uh, icebreakers. I've done complete workshops just purely with icebreakers so that I can sort of get them to vote on the different ones to find out what worked for people, what didn't resonate. Um, so that was a, the Imagination Club is purely a platform for experimental workshops for people that are passionate about a subject they really want to practice and bring to people to see what the reaction is. Oh, people like that. I think I'll go further with this. And we've actually launched quite a few people. They've given their very first workshop in the Imagination Club and gone on to do greater things. So it's been very, very useful for them. And, and the Imagination Club, um, when did you start that? What, what you? That's been going since 2005, 15 years. So it's pre-Zoom, pre pre-all of that. So a lot of it was face-to-face <coughs> -face in a room. It's all face-to-face, -face, all, all in a room, uh, in gardens, in a walk. We've had walking workshops, nature workshops, laughter workshops, um, network. I mean, you name it, we've done it. Um, so I guess we've held, let do a quick calculation, nearly 400 workshops over the years. Um, yeah, so you name it, we've done it, and you name the environment. We know it is in a, a one, there is one room in particular that we use, but there's no reason we can't do them outside, in the garden, uh, wherever. It's a, it's a real challenge, it, it can really stretch you. 
Tell me something, just I'm curious about that. How does, um, how does that work? I mean, is it a members club? Is it everybody welcome? How does it, just to give me a sense of it. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's fairly, fairly open. People do call themselves members, but we don't have a membership as such, and we only charge a minimum fee just to cover costs, basically. That's why it sort of has this feel of a hobby, but it's well organized now. We've got a particular structure that we use that people know what to expect. So, and it spreads a lot by word of mouth. So it's got a, an excellent reputation. People come along, they know they're an audience. We give a brief introduction, we explain what the Imagination Club is, what it does, what you're, what you're part of the, uh, as audience to give feedback at the end. And yeah, it just seems to work. I always say there's a little bit of magic in each workshop. Uh, there's always something that, that happens that transforms people. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah and I, I remember when you first told me about that, um, and, and that's, I think, really was the, the thing that stuck with me because everything I've been doing is to do with communities. I always believe in the community, community at large. It doesn't matter what the community is. It's a community of people. It's a community of, of your, your town or your whatever it is. It's just getting people together. And, and yes. it doesn't always have to be for profit. And I think that was kind of the conversation we had when I was telling you about my, my Social Fabric podcast. But it was all about that. And then you may mention something similar to you know, so my social fabric podcast is all about talking to different people in different parts of society, regardless who they are. And you, you mentioned you, you created something else, a Facebook group at the time, well, before I started, and that was a really interesting, the men group. Tell me about that. Yeah, there's, there's actually, I'm, um, <laughs> there's several groups that I own. The Imagination Club is just one of them. Uh, there's another actual physical room or group of us. There's four of us that are, that are in the group. Uh, we call it Cooperativa Creativa. It's a creative cooperative, <laughs> hence the name. It's four coaches and trainers that have got together to have a physical space. Because the Imagination Club can be done anywhere. We do actually have a physical room that we rent, but it can be done anywhere. Um, the cooperative is a, is a room that we rent because there's four different coaches come together and we all have different styles and we all have different strengths and we wanted a place that we could also rent out to others to, to cover the cost. And uh, again, that's, that's a, a little community. Uh, and we, uh, that's where I first realized that I was doing more coaching than training. Mm. We started holding a series of, and I think we're up to... 45 people, so about 18 workshops now called Fear and Fail, or actually we renamed it to I Empower, because we empowered people actually to tell their, their human story. We would get people to tell their story and say, you know, come along and people would say, but I don't have a story. I'd say, but you do, come on, come on have a talk with us. So me and uh, my one of my co-partners, Brad Miller, we would get the people in and we'd spend the next two or three hours listening to their stories that they didn't have. Uh, of course, and that was fantastic. And we would then meet them two or three more times to narrow that down into a shorter narrative, 15 minutes. And they, they would come and then present that talk in the 15 minutes. And we'd have three separate speakers giving their talk in 15 minutes 
and then there'd be a Q&A afterwards. And that was one of the most powerful and moving style of workshops that I've ever given. Getting people to, to, to tell the whole story. Now, the interesting thing about it is they nearly all go back to the childhood. They all are incredibly emotional because they're very personal. And the thing is, as you go through life, different people get to know different parts of you. This may be the first time that they've actually said something out loud, which is what we do in coaching a lot. We get people to, to voice something that's the first time that they've admitted or seen it from that angle uh, and been able to come out and sort of admit that and say, okay, wow, now I realize, now I see, now I'm connecting the dots. And it's the first time they've actually told their whole story to a group of people in one go, rather than just little bits to different people, depending on the situation. So it's, it's very powerful. And some people come along and say, and we always ask the question, why do you want to do this? What's important to you? And most, 90% of the time they come and say, I just want to get it out there. And then no one can hold this above my head anymore. It's out there, it's, it's said, it's done, uh, it's, it's complete, it's the story, and now I can move on with my life. Very powerful, very, very powerful. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's that old um, vulnerability is freedom, isn't it? Once we, once we put it out, then we, we don't have to hold on to it anymore. That's We've amazing. Time and time again. That's amazing. And, and so through, through all that amazing uh, work then and workshops, so you're saying you went from training, which uh, it, at the beginning you were saying that you, you would be trained on something, the next thing you, you would be the trainer and so on. It was that because of the organization we were with, you were kind of churning out training for the corporate or is that what it was? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I, I've always had a people, as I said, a people-facing job and... <laughs> How I got into training was another story. I, I used to run a, an Irish pub here in Brussels. And I knew everybody and everybody knew me. And it was like the most popular pub in, in, in Belgium, possibly, amongst ex expat bars. And one night I was, I was the manager there and I was standing at the bar chatting to the people as you do. And this uh, girl sort of uh, looked up to me. She pointed at me and she said, you, you would make a fantastic train. I think I just held a quiz night or something like that. It's on the microphone. <coughs> and I said, um, oh, that's interesting. And actually, what I'd recently done was that I'd recently started an open university course on information technology 101. I think it was called IT 101 many moons ago. Because I, I wanted to sort of, yeah, just keep, keep my keep my knowledge going and working in a bar it became sort of very day-to-day -day and mundane so I needed to, to sort of expand myself so I did this and I said I know very little about IT and she said we can teach you everything you need to know and she said you're really good at talking to people I said well yeah okay tell me more and she said I'm going to set up an interview for you and I said well hold on hold on hold on she said no no I'm going to set up an interview for you. And the next week, she had set up this interview for me. And I said, well, look, I don't know what to say. I haven't got experience. I haven't got this. And she said, don't worry. Come around my place the night before. I'll take you through. 
everything you need to say for the interview. So I took the night off, went round to her, her place, and she took me through the interview. The next day, I went to the interview past. Two, two fabulous people uh, interviewed me, so maybe I was lucky there. And I got the job, and like two weeks later, I started, and uh, that was my career in IT training, amongst other things. It started off in IT, but it very quickly moved on to just softer skills. Good. But that's, a, that's fascinating, isn't it, that uh, for somebody to recognize the, the, the barman um, being the right person for the job, and, that, and that's obviously your skills now, your listening skills, your, the, you know, there's coaches and mentors and, and good people everywhere, if we'd listen, <laughs> which we don't do too much. Yeah, no, it really is listening and connecting to people. I remember there was a, there was a whole load of people that I, I worked with, a great bunch of people. I, I have been lucky in my life. And I remember sort of um, one of the, the sessions I was at, I was training, and I think a lot of time I used to work with translators and teaching them how to use their translation software for the different languages. And one of the first coffee breaks, one of the other trainers, I think he was a German guy, I can't remember. Uh, he came up to me and, uh, just before the end of the coffee break and he says, Andy, I said, yes. He said, how do you do it? I said, what do you mean? He said, every coffee break. He said, do, do you know these people? I said, well, no. He said, well, how come you're sitting there chatting to them as if you've known them all your life at the very first coffee break? Not even in the afternoon, in the morning. You know, you've been there, you start at nine, 10.30, you have a coffee break, you're chatting to those people. I said, well, that's, that's how you get to know them, what they, what they need. They'll have questions and, and sort of, they come and ask me questions. I don't go up to them. They necessarily come up to me as well. And he said, that's fascinating. Uh, and I still don't think he actually worked out how to do that. If I, I don't know how it worked out, but if you are open to people and vulnerable as well, maybe they feel that they can ask you questions and not feel judged or stupid or asking stupid questions. There is no such thing as a stupid question. Um, we all have different strengths and values. And I think that's where I started learning that, that I realized people need someone to listen to them and, and, and yeah, help them discover themselves. Because if I didn't know the answer, because my learning curve was so high, I, it was often that I didn't know the answer. And I, often, I always had to admit, I didn't make anything up. I said, I don't know. Let me go and ask a colleague. I'll get back to you. And of course, in the coffee break, I went and got back to them. That's maybe what I was doing and explaining as best as I could what I'd just learned or where they could find the information. And it carries on. So, yeah, it's all these little skills that you build up doing different jobs and bringing them all together at the end. Yeah. I it. Tell me something. I want to, uh, we'll come to your coaching in a minute, but I'm just curious about your, uh, okay, you're not from Brussels. Uh, no. You don't have a Brussels <laughs> accent from Brussels. I'm just curious about, it. well, a couple of things. How did you, you end up in Brussels? And what, where do you um, pinpoint the, that, that community, want a community, that, that, that the love for meeting people, you know, understanding people, where is that coming from? And, you know, it, is this something back 
back where where did you grow up and tell me a little bit more about you okay well i, I grew up in uh near the coast in a little town called um, burgess hill near brighton most people know where, where brighton is and i never really had and still don't have a real Actually, I suppose mainly at the moment I do. I'm, I'm quite passionate about coaching and training. Uh, but I never really, as, as, a, as a youth, never really had a passion for anything in particular. I never grew up wanting to be a fireman or a policeman or a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, a spaceman. It, it sort of changed all the time. And, and actually, my whole life has worked out that I've changed. I am the, the beast of reinvention, I call myself. I, I've reinvented myself so many times over the years. But the community sense really came through school. I had a good bunch of friends at school, and I left school at 16 and actually became a hairdresser. That was my first job when I left school and trained completely as a hairdresser. And that's, that saw me through for many years, being able to do a job that you can do anywhere in the world. I've cut hair in, in lifts, in living rooms, on, on, on boats, on grassy knolls. I mean, you name it, I've cut, cut hair there. So it's something that you can use to, to live on. When I traveled around Europe, hairdressing sustained me. It made me, uh, fed, me fed me, kept me fed and clothed for, for a good few years. Uh, and when I left the UK, I left the UK when I was trained as a hairdresser at 19. And I came to Brussels. And immediately I was in Brussels. I said, now this is possibly, I've never really thought about this before. But yeah, that was a fantastic question, Andrew. The sense of community that I felt in Brussels amongst the expats was absolutely amazing. I felt loved, supported. I thought nothing could go wrong. There was always somebody there to look after me. There was people that fed me Sunday dinners, there was people that fed me if I, you know, came into the pub. I remember there was one pub we used to go to that had the kitchen at the front and they had baked potatoes and things all ready to go for meals that they did. And the, the barman, the bar lady there would, would all, are you hungry? Would you like a potato? Keep me going, here's a beer. We looked after each other and I was able to reciprocate that as well with other people, other newbies. And there was just a fantastic community of expats that I've possibly never felt since quite so so deeply. But that sustained me for, for a good three years until I decided to move on and go down to, to France and Spain. Um, so that was my first real sense of love and community for real, for, and that's the state, I mean, that's kept me going and, and given me a love to, to, to return that to people ever since. I've always been a community builder, yeah. or part of a community. Brilliant. And so then, when did you move back to Brussels full-time? I left Brussels in 83, and full-time I came back in 85, I think it was, uh, full-time. So I was only away for 18 months, two years, just under two years. Traveling, so you've been there um, for, for a long time, and yeah, so yes, I've lived in Brussels since full time '85, first came oh. in '79. Okay, um, and the reason I was, I was getting around that, I mean, you mentioned a couple of things you know, you've been looking in your, in your um, 
in your profession and meeting people you met but i don't know if it's luck or it's just you know having that empty vessel of you know allowing people into into your life uh which now you know you're attracting the right people for the right reasons you know so i'm sure it's a bit more than just luck um what would you think yeah i don't know what it is i i've always in many ways i i don't know whether it's luck or not i don't know but i i don't think i've ever really gone for a, a proper scary interview uh, the one i uh went to there was probably the scariest and i almost got the job anyway regardless because i did i was able to be so hard to work there and i just sort of breezed it uh, and from there i just yeah i've just gone and taken whatever job has presented itself that looks exciting i'll do that for a while <laughs> Uh, I, there was one guy who owned uh, a pub in Leuven, which is a, a town not far from. I live in between Leuven and Brussels now. <coughs> and he was out walking with his wife one day, and I was out with my girlfriend then. And he was just about to start an IT company and wanted a project manager. And so he said, "Oh, do you, do you fancy coming and working for me?" So all my jobs have happened that way or oh, do you fancy coming and working for me i've never really had to scan newspapers and sort of ring up people and set up interviews so yeah whether it's luck or whether i'm just open to that i don't know okay okay but so tell me something then how you mentioned earlier on that you went from training you realized you were actually doing a little bit more coaching than training that, that realization of people talking to you and looking for i don't know I wouldn't even say advice being able to to you, you were able to listen to them in a way that maybe other trainers weren't. Uh, how, give me an idea of the journey into coaching, because as I said at the beginning of this conversation, for me, it's a relatively new thing. I didn't know enough about it. All I knew, there was, there was an awful lot of people calling themselves coaches all over the world. And, uh, and, I, and, and the reason I started this is really just to talk to the likes of yourself to really find out how you do it and how did you get to it. So how did you get to that? Well, how did I get to it? I guess the coaching journey started with, yeah, I guess, bless the Imagination Club, because a lot of the workshops, I wanted to move away. I've always been interested in developing myself, learning and stretching myself and doing that. So I've always been open to that. And when I started the Imagination Club with the idea that it was a practice ground for new things, I used it very much to practice things that I was learning. If I picked up a book and said, oh, I really like that, enjoy that, that would make a good workshop. I will go out and I'll write a workshop and then give it in the Imagination Club. Every single workshop I've given has been a one-off, if you like. Some of them have been, I've tried to get it off the time, but mostly they're one-offs from articles I've read, from books I've read, from things that I've learned in workshops or trainings that I want to embody myself and one way i find that works for me is to go out and teach it that's how i embody it and learn it and and so i couldn't give it lessons in the imagination club it really wasn't a platform for that so any of the workshops i, I give were life skill or coaching type style workshops how to improve your life how to communicate better how to uh, how to give a workshop even that was a popular workshop <laughs> Um, so, yeah, relationships, 
how to live a, a better life, how to reboot your life was a popular one. And I also, <laughs> there's a little anecdote for you. I went on holiday about eight years ago, nine years ago to Lisbon. And then we moved down to the south of, uh, of Portugal. And I came across this book on happiness. I can't remember the author's name now, How to Be Happy. Anyway, that inspired me. And I, I've since done a lot of uh, workshops on happiness. I followed uh, a lot of courses like the Science of Happiness with Berkeley University, one of the open, massive open online courses, these MOOCs. And that has become a popular theme of mine as well. And so it was all about getting the best out of life, the best out of people, and the best out of myself. And the coaching came around, there was a series of workshops that I noticed going on in London that had a, they weren't so much trainings as coaching sessions. And so I signed up to become a franchise of that in Brussels and they weren't too happy with that. They wanted to keep it uh, mainly in England, but I went along for a four day workshop to learn how to, to do what they did and how it all worked. Uh, and I actually failed. They, they said, no, I'm too much of a trainer, not enough of a coach. So I thought, okay, so I'm missing the skills here. I took it on the chin. I thought, okay, how can I change, turn that around, stop wanting to hear my voice and let others voice their own things, their own thoughts, and sort of back off a little bit to being the centerpiece of the room and sort of have it far more equal. I realized that I was, I wasn't where I thought I was. So that taught me a huge lesson. And so ever since then, eight, nine years ago, I decided to learn as much as I could about coaching. And I never found a coaching course that I really liked. I was looking at, especially in, in English, a lot of the co coaching courses are here are either in Dutch or French. And I didn't feel my, even though I speak Dutch and French, my, I didn't think my level was good enough to really embody it and take it on board. I didn't want to do the training just in, in one of those two languages. And I didn't want to sort of travel to the States or to England to do more trainings. So it was only when a friend of mine, a good few years ago, about four or five years ago, they told me about Kingstown and I looked at the curriculum and every single item on the curriculum tickled my fancy. It really said, this is, this is what I want to learn. I, I know a lot of this stuff. I'd already done a lot of facilitation training. I'd already done uh, appreciative inquiry. I'd already done a bit of an LP. I'd already done a bit. So all these things, God, I know this. I know that. I, fantastic. There's a gap. There's a gap. That fills that. Fantastic. So I contacted Kingstown and that was my, my start of my journey coaching, for real. And uh, yeah. So. Brilliant. And from there you developed it into, you're kind of specializing in, um, in expats, am I correct? That's your kind of your, your niche. And yeah. uh, so who are your clients? Who, who's attracted to your, because I'm sure you're not going door to door knocking on everybody's door and say, come, come to work with me, I'm a good coach. People come to you, and I, I, know, I looked at your LinkedIn profile, and uh, there's plenty of like, recommendations from past clients, and which is fantastic, well done. 
but who, who comes to you? What's the, do you have a particular profile? Who comes to me? Yeah, well, this is it. I've been on many courses where they say you need to niche down. Yeah, yeah. Andy is the go-to person for, for this. And quite honestly, I'm finding it that there's more women than men, if I'm honest, about 60, 40. Uh, they could be anything from mid-twenties to mid-forties. It could be relationship, it could be career-based. It's, it's all about change and navigating through change. Um, having support to make the right decisions to sort of look at to get feedback from how they are perceived and how they're seen and how they can have the courage to make that leap to make the change to, to find out if that it really is what they want to do one of the biggest things is i find still and i'm wondering if this should be a separate job is being a, a listener, uh, an expat whisperer, you know, sort of, because um, that's what a lot of people need. They need somewhere to bounce their ideas off, to sort of, to, to go through things, to go over things, to voice what it is their needs are. And it may be the first time there's been thoughts going through the head and they can't get this clarity that they need. And it's only through correct questioning and direct questioning and, and also sort of finding out is that really what you mean or what do you mean by that or tell me a little bit more about that and that really brings people out and and, and have a lot of aha moments and say yes that's that's what i mean that's what i'd really like that's what i want to aim for so their goals that they sort of think or aspirations they think they have may not be the final goal or even the real goal, but it's having the platform to be able to blossom and bloom. I keep using that, but that, that's how I feel at the moment, to, to actually listen to people and support them on the, a particular journey and so that they can discover themselves, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, tell me something, because um, I know you say you started off you know, as a teenager, you didn't really have a passion and you went off wandering uh, Europe and so on. But obviously the passion is there now because you wouldn't be doing this. You, you don't strike me as a person that is, it gets up in the morning and you can't wait to count the money at the end of, uh, at the, end of the day. You know, you don't strike me as the person that is, is, is piling up uh, all this cash behind you. You know, so you're doing it for a different reason. And that reason is, again, it's going back to that community and that people facing and so what what do you get out of it and what would you like to get out of a, of a session or or a client or what's the what's the apex of the coaching for you the apex the apex is going back to wanting to, to learn and develop and be a, a, a better me as well and by i think in nearly every single coaching session for me there seems to be a win-win situation where you sometimes the questions you ask i feel for me are sort of there's a double value there sort of i'm i'm trying not to ask questions for myself but their questions are the answers that i want but certainly sometimes the things that other people come up with 
I connect with, I clicked with and think, I understand that. I, of course, that's what you want. It may not be what I want at all. Mm. I mean, that's not the point. I, it's, not, it's not about me, but I can understand then if I can bring a bit of passion out in somebody, that impassions me to do even better. So it sort of builds on its own thing. So I think it's the building people up and building myself up at the same time. I think there's a power there um, that I really like. Yeah, why do I do it? I just, I, I think there's different types of people. I've always thought of myself as a people person and to serve people. But not to serve people for them to get all the benefits. I, I like it when it's a win-win situation. And coaching does that for me. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, it's quite powerful. And, uh, you know, the right... Uh, I, I keep going back to conversations and hence I do this podcast because I, I, I've wrote down a few things that I already learned a lot more about that I didn't know half an hour ago, 45 minutes ago, whenever it was, you know, and it's, it's, uh, and I hope that's what we can give to the listeners, you know, that little nugget of information. All of us are the mentors, the coaches, the, the every are. single, every single person out there. It's just, you'd be amazed. As I keep saying, you know, do talk to the person at the bus stop. You'd be amazed what you learn. My favorite thing. I can stand there <laughs> in the middle of a shopping center people will walk up to me <laughs> yeah Seriously. no I can see I can see that I can see that that's fantastic and tell me something I want to ask you about uh, we will put all the all the details about you and uh, and your business and how people can get in touch with you if they want to work with you on the, in the show notes but there's another thing I was quite curious about. You do some more, you have community office for the last five years, people to people international. That's the yeah. Right that's it. Tell me about that because that sounds really interesting too. It is. That, that, that's quite fascinating. But it all, I was 18 years as a, an IT trainer, consultant, whatever. And I was moving away from training people in the IT world to, and I think that I had, I had a lot of things going on on the side, for example, the Imagination Club and Cooperativa and a few other things. But my job was really sort of bringing, bringing it all down and I needed to get out of there. So when I, and, and I'd made friends with a guy who runs the PTPI chapter here in Brussels. And I, want, I said I wanted to get more involved. So when I made the decision to leave the IT world, leave the corporate, start off as a coach and trainer on my own back, so I'd become an independent, uh, I decided to also help out PTPI. But there was a lot of advantages in that. Sort of, again, I always look for win-win situations. They had rented rooms in a co-working space then, the Transformer. Fantastic place, Transformer. We're two, run by two really nice guys. There's a good team there. It's all modern, fantastic training room as well, meeting rooms that we could use, and we got a really good rate. So I left the corporate world. I then had plenty of time to start getting really seriously into coaching and training for my own back. And we still organize coffee mornings and events and holidays around Europe for other students through PTPI. It's, uh, yeah, for people to people international, it's for people to help people. 
So, for example, you could open your home to, to students or you could organize for students to go to live in homes in other countries. Uh, but any events that we wanted to organize, we could organize under the, the, the chapter of People to People uh, as a charity to get people together to help each other. It, was, it really is. And we still, today, every Thursday, run uh, a coffee morning for people to come along and talk. It used to be more career-oriented, but now it's for people who are retired, people who are looking for work, people that sort of made work in the evening but available during the day. Uh, and now because it's online, we do it online, we get people ringing in from Tunisia, America, uh, even though it's a bit early for America, um, Berlin, Amsterdam, all, all over. We get people ringing in, uh, dialing in via Zoom to join us in our coffee mornings for an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. Uh, just to chat and to connect and sort of find like-minded people. That's so that's wonderful. what People to People does. I mean, it has done for the past five years. Wonderful. Well, you're a fascinating character, Andy. Uh, we spent a number of weeks together on Zoom, and one of these days we, we might even have a pint in the whatever the best Irish pub is these days in, the, in Brussels. <laughs> I'm sure Absolutely. you'll find it, bring me there. And, uh, but I love, I love to do that. And um, yeah, look, it's been fascinating. I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Andy Whittle, thanks again. And I'll speak to you soon. Andrea, we'll have a pint someday. Thank you.